It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors split a pair of games against the Warriors and Blazers, but all anyone can talk about is precious freaking Achua. We will dig into why he is very much putting himself into the untouchable category for this Raptors team going forward, and so much more as we break down the weekend with our pal Vivek Jacob at Raptors.com. Let's get to it! Woo-hoo! Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it, so like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free top of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1330 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, January the 30th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate and review the podcast for free each and every day over on the various podcast apps. And we are, of course, on YouTube. Please go hit the big red subscribe button over there. Support the show. It's a free podcast. We don't ask for much. Please be a cordial member of the Locked On Raptors family and hit the old subscribe button to uh, help us out and make us more visible to the rest of the people on YouTube. Shall we? Shall we? Uh, all right. <laughs> on today's show, uh, we're going to dig into the weekend split against the Warriors and the Blazers. Lots to dig into. Precious Achua, top of mind. Fred Van Vliet. We got Shams reports on Nick Nurse and OG Ananobi. We'll get to all that, but first, got to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com. Promo code locked on. All right. Vivek Jacob, Raptors.com. My man. Uh, quite a weekend. It was, uh, you know, interesting, entertaining basketball, which was kind of the whole thesis of my podcast on Friday, digging into how the Raptors, while still not very good, have become an interesting watch. And that continued over the weekend. The defense against the Warriors fell apart as though they just forgot the Warriors like to move off the ball. Uh, but a nice recovery against Portland, who maybe kind of stinks. Uh, for you, did you have a sort of big 
overarching takeaway from the weekend that was lots to dig into. I'm guessing it's probably Precious Achua related. Uh, it is entirely Precious Achua related. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, he is playing incredible basketball. Uh, I, had written, uh, I had written about him last week. Roten. Um, Roten, yeah. <laughs> Tony Roten. Shout out Tony Roten. <laughs> and I think, you know, what he's doing as a roller, what he's doing as a cutter, what he's doing uh, with the basketball in his hands, and then defensively, like he's the best rebounder on the team. Uh, when OG Ananobi is not on the floor, he's the best defender on the team. And you're just seeing all of it come together. Nick Nurse talked about how the game seems to be slowing down for him a, a little bit. And I've talked to Precious about, you know, understanding, you know, where the gaps are and whatnot. And he's talking, he, and he's talked to me about, you know, just recognizing, uh, he put it down to three things, uh, pace, place, and timing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so you're seeing all of that come together right now. And this is kind of what we hope to see at the beginning of the season, right? Mm -hmm. If he was coming off the bench, it's like, hey, can Precious play well enough to basically force his way into the starting lineup. Yeah. And obviously he hasn't forced his way into the starting lineup. It's been dictated by OG Ananobi's injury. Mm -hmm. um, and he has absolutely made the most of it. Yeah. That OG injury Friday, a little scary. Uh, glad to see there's not like a break or anything like that. And we'll see, yeah. uh, you know, he's going to be out against the Suns. That's already confirmed for tonight, but seems as though it's not a super long-term thing, which is a good for the Raptors and potentially good for trade deadline stuff, which we'll talk about because uh, it's the inevitability we can't escape here, but precious. Yeah. I mean, he solves so many of the Raptors problems, right? Specifically on defense. I mean, the pick and roll defense he can play, like Damian Lillard, yes, had himself a bit of a game. And obviously the Warriors offense just carved up the Raptors into oblivion, you know, start to finish. And so you can't really credit Precious a ton there. But I thought he did a really good job on Lillard. I thought he did a great job on Inferni Simons. He does a great job without being your traditional seven foot two rim deterrent rim protector type. He does a great job of just making it really difficult for guys to shoot over him. He kind of just goes and does the vertical thing. And then he's got so much body control and he's such a great athlete that he can do the vertical thing, not get knocked off of his vertical spot, force guys to have to put shots up higher or put more English on them that, than they want. And the result is a whole lot of misses. The numbers we ran through last week, don't lie. He's one of the best rim protectors per like the NBA's defensive field goal percentage, which, you know, there's various levels of noise and all these numbers. But last week we, we cited the number. I don't have it in front of me right now, but at the time of recording last week, he was number five in the entire NBA among players averaging four field goal attempts defended inside six feet. The guys in that conversation with him in terms of best defensive field goal percentage inside six feet, Bismack Biombo, Giannis Attentacumpo, Jaron Jackson Jr., the block lies man, uh, <laughs> of course, and uh, Draymond Green. Like, that's ridiculous company to be in. And, uh, you know, he's just, he's so, so good on defense. And then the offense comes in and just breathes his whole new life into what the Raptors are doing. And I'm really enjoying Big V the way the Scotty Barnes, Precious Achua, Pascal Siakam trio is kind of coalescing here. And that's my kind of big takeaway from the weekend is protect that trio at all costs. Those three dudes, they might be the answer to actually Vision 6'9 working. If you want to call it Vision 6'9, if you want to just call it having good basketball players on the floor, whatever it is, 
the way Precious plays off of those dudes, seeping into the space that they're not occupying, that, that they're sort of drawing attention from, uh, you know, the, the different lob chemistries he's starting to develop with the different guys. Those three guys, to me, are, are the truth. And those three guys this season have been one of the best performing trios for the Raptors. A plus nine net rating for those three guys without OG Ananobi, which we'll talk about in just a sec. But those three guys comprising your front court, a plus nine net rating, a 123 offensive rating, 114 defensive rating, which is like average defense in today's NBA. Uh, and then you go to that starting lineup they've rolled out, the Fred, Trent, Scotty, Pascal, Precious lineup. That is now the third most used lineup for the Raptors this season. And it's a plus 9.8 per 100 possessions. It's been really, really good. It's the best of the most heavily used lineups for the Raptors, which there's not a whole lot of. There's only one lineup with more than 100 minutes. But as far as small sample excitement goes, that's the lineup for me. And it just makes a lot of sense conceptually. You've got shooting. You've got a little bit more rim, pro rim protection in Precious. Obviously, you lose OG's defense. But I think just sort of the dispersal of touches and the way the ball flows and moves is like notably different. Uh, curious of your thoughts on that lineup in particular, the trio of Scotty, Pascal, and Precious, and what it maybe means for the decision-making going into next week's deadline as it pertains to a certain six-foot-eight dude who has all the muscles in the world who is currently injured. <laughs> <laughs> well put. I think one of the things... Well, first off, I'll talk about it as like the whole five mm -hmm. um, and why I think that's kind of worked is mm -hmm. hierarchy matters. And I yes. think... You know, we may have speculated before the season. It's like, oh, you know, if Gary's coming off the bench and you have Precious in there, it's like, oh, everyone's able to get their shots. And, you know, Precious is clearly number five mm -hmm. um, on that list. And he's not someone who's going to be thinking about, oh, I didn't get, you know, 15 shots tonight. Right. Like he's yeah. just not going to care about that stuff. Um, and so I think having him in that starting lineup just eases everyone's, uh, you know, role. Uh, on the offensive end of the floor. And then when you look specifically at that trio of uh, Scotty, Pascal, Precious, I think it clarifies what the team is trying to accomplish stylistically as well, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because Precious is your definitive rim protector. Um, uh, offensively, again, going back to the point I made before, you know he's fifth uh, on that list. Uh, and then you know outside of those three, you absolutely need sh knockdown shooters around them, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What is Fred Van Vliet? What is Gary Trent Jr., right? Yeah. At their best, at least, anyway. Uh, and so I think all that clarity is why we're seeing um, the offense mesh in a way that we maybe haven't seen earlier in the season. Uh, and I think, you know, even going forward, maybe this is, you know, watching more uh, of magic basketball lately uh, because of <laughs> how, how fun they have been frankly you sicko you <laughs> sicko <laughs> is you know if the raptors do want to crank up that vision six nine and add a bit more height like precious is not someone who has to be married to the center position right no he could just be a shooting and, guard <laughs> and yeah and, and so could pascal <laughs> you know and so that's where if you have that core three you can look at it and say, potentially, obviously now it has to, I think it has to be a shooting big. Like you're mm -hmm. not looking at, you're adding another like traditional rim roller. Like I think Jakob Pertl like becomes out of the question. Um, I think Yak's been out of the question for some time at this point. <laughs> yeah, but, but I, I mean that sort of type that, uh, you know, mm -hmm. and so you lean way more into uh, a potential Miles Turner deal. 
Mm-hmm. And it should be noted, uh, Miles Turner signed an extension over the weekend, two years, $60 million with the Pacers. I, you know, I, I don't know how expected that was. I know there were talks about it. It seemed like it was kind of 50-50 per the reporting out there. Uh, it, in theory, stands to make him, I guess, a more valuable trade piece for the Pacers going forward as well. But maybe that dream is yeah. dead. Maybe they just realized Miles Turner is really good and he fits on this team with Tyrese Halliburton. And we go forward with that. Um but yeah, it could be one of those sign him to trade him eventually type of moves. We'll see. You know, it also should be said, the reason to feel optimistic about what the team looks like without OG Ananobi is not like a, a slight against OG or anything either, right? No. Like he's a very good player, but, um, you know, it's just a matter of sort of dispersal of talent. And it's not the idea that the Raptors are better without OG. It's the sort of thinking, what could the Raptors be if they turned OG into more stuff for the roster, right? And I think that's what the question comes down to. It's not you know, this guy's not talented. It's how does the mix work? And the mix so far has not worked. And so maybe you got to change up the mix, even if it means shipping out some talent in exchange for a more balanced roster, whatever it might be. We're going to talk more OG at the end of the show. When we get to the good, the bad, and the hmm, as we dive into Shams's hmm-ridden post on The Athletic today. Before we do that, we should dive on in to uh, a little word from our dear friends over at Prize Picks, who are making... Daily fantasy sports, fun, easy, accessible, a great time, really. I'm not someone who plays season-long fantasy sports. Not really my bag. I don't like the constant maintenance of my team, yada, yada, yada. Oh, they got to set my lineup. Oh, there's an injury. Oh, there's a morning game I forgot about. No longer you got to worry about that. Prize Picks is here to make daily fantasy sports the way to play fantasy. All you got to do is pick two to six players on any entry and predict whether they're going to go more or less than their prize picks projection. There's no other team you're up against. It's just you against the projections the way it's supposed to be. And if you win, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. That is a ton of fun. Also fun, they have every sport under the sun. I'm not kidding you. There's a whole list of sports here. It's three lines long of different sports leagues you can go. And there's even more than just the cricket and Euro basket and disc golf and women's college basketball and P. PGA and everything else that's already listed here. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They have safe and fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states and in Canada and every province except for Ontario, as it stands right now. Download the Prize Picks app or go to PrizePicks.com to sign up to play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code Locked On. So if you put in 100 bucks, just 100 bucks is going to appear for you in your account. That is pretty awesome. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on for sign up at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100 with prize picks. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we continue on here with Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com and your first list of the day, digging into a wild weekend. Uh, Loss of the Warriors, went over the Blazers. Um... 
we'll pick up the OG conversation a little later on. I do want to talk to you about Fred Van Vliet, Big V. Uh, had himself a really great game, as he tends to do against the Warriors on Friday, was you know the reason, in large part, the Raptors were able to outscore their defensive problems for much of that game, which, what a world we live in. The Raptors are outscoring their defensive problems. I, you know, the defense is a problem, for sure, <laughs> but it's nice that they can actually uh, put buckets up to match. Um, didn't work against the Warriors, of course, because the Warriors are excellent when they're on, but Fred was incredible in that game. Super clutch, big-time moments in the fourth quarter against the Blazers as well as the Blazers made it close. It's funny. I, I had seen the score. I watched this game on Sunday morning, Vivek, and I was trying to watch it without any spoilers. I had my phone away for 12 hours before the, the, the game came on. I ended up turning on my TV to find my PVR, and they were replaying the game. And so I saw it was 94-90 as Damian Lillard buried a three. And I was like, damn it, I spoiled myself after doing such a great job. But then they go on a run and go, it's like 108.90, like two minutes later, uh, <laughs> when I go and rewatch the full thing. And so uh, it was nice. I didn't know that big run was coming late. That big run, in large part, tied to Fred Van Vliet being awesome. Uh, big V, the Fred Van Vliet question is going to be one that's on our minds for the next 10 days until the deadline. Um, where are you at right now? Every game is going to be, I would assume, just kind of added to the information bank that the Raptors have when they're making these decisions. You know, there's rumors, I suppose, of interest from the Lakers. We had the clutch sports thing last week as well that I don't know means all that much, really. Where are you at with Fred Van Vliet and the sort of question on everybody's mind to pay or not to pay, to keep or not to keep, to trade or not to trade? Yeah, I took the clutch thing as more of an indicator that he expects not to get dealt by the deadline. Right. And he's sort of shoring things up for the offseason, saying, mm -hmm. okay, if that's going to be where I'm going to be able to explore my options, then I'm going to make sure I put myself in the best position possible. And I don't think he's too concerned about getting dealt at this deadline. Mm -hmm. I don't think uh, the Raptors uh, will look to make such a big move uh, at mm -hmm. the deadline. Um, with the core, I think they, they'll probably look at it and say, you know, in terms of retooling this roster, realigning this roster, the best move probably comes in the offseason. Mm -hmm. And so I could, I could see them waiting for that. And so you, you look at Fred so far in January, 20.4 points, 5.2 rebounds, 7.2 assists, 1.6 deals, shooting 36.8% from three. Uh, last seven games, he's at 42.4% from three. Mm -hmm. And this is close to the best version of him. Uh, I, I think there's still, you know, some blow buys uh, that are happening that he wouldn't like and he'd like to uh, fix. So mm -hmm. it's not the peak version of Fred Van Vliet, but it's getting there. And that's what mm -hmm. you want to see. And I think it's encouraging signs because you see what he offers alongside, you know, Scotty and Pascal when he is close to his best or at least at his best offensively. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, uh, you know, that tough shot making, uh, the three point shooting outlet option. Um, and then, you know, just the hard nosed play. Like, I love. <laughs> what happened between him and Nasir Little, right? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. uh, and then you see him go and get an offensive rebound. You see, you see him go and get a block. Like that just comes down to who Fred is and who mm -hmm. he's been right from the time he started playing basketball. Like everything you read about him, like just making winning plays, um, just understanding the guts of the game and what's needed at different points of it. Uh, that is all of Fred, and it's really great to see it sort of coming through now. And again. If he ends up having the reverse of last season mm -hmm. where he's had that shitty first half and now he goes and has an amazing second half, like, hey, 
it won't be we won't remember how it started we'll remember how it finished 100 percent. and it's just the issue with fred and the sort of big picture thing with him and the raptors has never been one of does he fit with the best players on the team because of course he does he is a ball handler who shoots off the ball like very few players in recent nba history have he's a really good off-ball defender who fits into the raptors scheme extremely well into the past he's been a very good on-ball defender that's dissipated a little bit this year but i'm pretty all right looking at this last month of him kind of returning to form factoring in all that happened in the first half of the season with the sickness that he had where he missed multiple short spells of time the back injuries you know go on down the line this is the version of Fred Van Vliet I expect that we've seen since January the 1st or, or, or thereabouts. And that's a player who's good enough to me to pay his next contract and not feel too bad about it. Yes, there's going to be risk involved, as there is risk with any player who is foot eleven and, you know, going into, you know, his age 29 season and all of that. But, man, he just really seems to fit wonderfully alongside Pascal and Scotty and Precious and, you know, OG, obviously, too, Gary Trent Jr., that backcourt, a, a shooting dynamo pair. It's always been how fearful are you of the decline and coming and sort of hitting really hard, and I'm willing to use this last month, 15 or so games, as optimism to say, you know what, maybe that was just an ill-timed slump to start the year, and this is more the actual version of Fred VanVleet you're going to get if you go ahead and pay him. The end of that contract could be rough, but guess what? The cap's going up. All of the deals signed this summer, I feel like, aren't going to look all that bad four years from now. Like, this is the time to get in. This is like signing, you know, in the 2015 summer, the before everything got crazy. Um, you know, I, I just, I think there is a, uh, a pathway here to keeping Fred and not feeling too badly about it. Because he's very important to what the Raptors want to accomplish and I, just because he's not the best version of his type of player doesn't mean you just go and move on from him, right? Like, the, these types of players don't grow on trees unless there's an actual tangible plan to go and find yourself a ball-handling point guard who can shoot off the dribble or off the catch. I don't think you can just afford to move on from Fred Van Vliet. And I don't think that player's out there. I don't think that contingency plan's out there. Maybe they go and draft themselves Scoot Henderson and get lucky in the draft lottery. You can't bank on that 7% eventuality or whatever it is. It's just he's too good to, I think, just ship off for parts at the deadline, which is what you're probably going to get if you trade him at the deadline. It's just the nature of the way the market looks for him, potentially, and the nature of in-season trades. It just always feels a little bit underwhelming. Um... He's really good, man. <laughs> and he was in a mood against the Blazers, and I loved it. It's really fun when Fred Van Vliet's in a mood. Uh, we're going to continue on here, get to the good, the bad, and the hmm from the weekend that was. Before we do that, however, i got to tell you about our friends over at TurboTax. Look, I am a freelance sports media professional, which means my taxes every year are an absolute nightmare, and I like to delay doing my taxes. I call it protaxination, because I don't want to do them. It's too hard. It's too much work. It's too many receipts to file through. But I can go now to TurboTax and not do my taxes. Instead, I can meet with an expert who will do them for me, and so can you. TurboTax experts can relieve you from the stress of taxes and file for you so you can do not taxes. Show your eyes things that are not taxes. Unpack a moving box of not taxes. Taste not taxes. Doing not taxes is incredible. You should try it with TurboTax. An expert will do your taxes from start to finish, ensuring your taxes are done right, guaranteed, so you can relax. Feels good to be done with your taxes, doesn't it? 
Come to TurboTax and don't do your taxes. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. Intuit TurboTax, full service products only. Video meeting while expert does your taxes required. See guaranteed details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we continue on here with the good, the bad, and the hmm, the way we round out every game recap episode, a couple of games to recap here over the weekend. We'll go through a thing we liked, a thing we didn't like, and a thing that's got us a little interested going forward as a potentially burgeoning trend or topic. Uh, let's start with the good, shall we? Big V, I will toss it to you because I'm a gracious host. What is your good? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've talked about Precious, but uh, I'll stick with Fred, man. Like, Yeah? Uh, he's taken a lot of criticism. Um, a good chunk of it has been fair. He's underperformed uh, expectations. And if he can just continue to play at this level, if the defense can continue to pick up, mm -hmm. then things again just start to align, right? Like you, mm -hmm. the, the future crystallizes and uh, you look at how to build this roster going forward. All of that, evaluating it at, at its best you know maybe you look at it and say okay fred is not a guy who should be playing you know 36 averaging 36 plus minutes a night right and so mm -hmm. how do you alleviate some of that and but the at the end of the day when you look at fred van vliet what he gives you at his best is extremely valuable mm -hmm. and you just have to evaluate what's the best means to get that out of him mm -hmm. over longer yeah. stretches spoiling my bad a little bit but uh boy oh boy they, they they found bench minutes and like deep rotation guys and still are relying on 40 minutes from fred <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> he's important as it turns out nick nurse seems to agree my good i have a, a two-pronged good one is just a quick throwaway the other is scotty barnes related because boy oh boy scotty barnes Something's happening with him over the last month as well. He's been excellent. Uh, but my throwaway one quickly is Christian Coloco, the bench celebration god all of a sudden, having himself a great time uh, yesterday in that first half as the Raptors were pouring in a bazillion buckets against the Blazers, I guess, Saturday night. Not not yesterday, but um, the, the, the reactions from Coloco, the way he's protecting everyone from stepping on the floor and getting texts, uh, you know, that's responsible bench celebration. Happy to see Christian Coloco, despite his G League assignment being being very much a part of the fabric on the sidelines. Uh, my actual good, Scotty Barnes is uh, ridiculous. He is really, I think, kind of finding... He's figured out the speed of the game and figured out the speed at which he can operate to kind of 
wreak havoc up on opposing on opposing defenses and the raptors are just good when he's on the floor and very bad when he's off the floor of late over the last month the raptors are 22.5 possession points per 100 possessions better with scotty barnes on the floor than off they are a plus 9.7 net rating team with him on a minus 12.8 when he's off uh he's just been everywhere man the playmaking's awesome he's just walking into seven eight assists every game it seems on a nightly basis uh he's figured out the scoring around the rim once again in that floater range he's the best scotty barnes really good scotty and precious as a duo should be very very excited uh raptors fans should be about that duo going forward let's go to the bad shall we uh i kind of spoiled my bad it's uh, the fact that they got lots of bench minutes played from guys this weekend, and yet still were leaning on their starters for nearly 40 minutes. Uh, obviously, the OG injury shortened things on Friday in the rotation and you know left them without a guy on Saturday, but like Malachi Flynn is offering nothing in his 10 minutes. Like Every single time, it seems, he hits the floor, offers nothing, and makes it so Fred Van Vliet has to come back into the game. Um, it's just it's really, really tough to manage. Just please go get Monte Morris or something like that to make it so there is at least one extra ball handler out there to ease the burden. I don't know. Um, but that is my bad, is that they're still leaning on guys for this many minutes, despite actually finding some real bench contributions. Um, and uh, I just, just, I think, speaks to the sort of roster drain and the back end of the roster does not being good enough, which is not on Nick Nurse. It's not on the players. That's a front office thing that I think we've kind of covered in depth so far this year already. Uh, what's your bad from the weekend? I think the bad uh, I'll probably say is just the some of the frustration I felt watching that Warriors performance. It's like the you defense know, was point, just like, what What are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> you, and, you know, the Warriors have been doing this for 10 years, right? Are you not prepared for the back cuts? <laughs> <laughs> and to your point, like, yeah, at least now when they're losing, it's like a more fun way of losing because sure, you, know, yeah. you don't see the offense as gummed up as much. But um, again, we we've talked about trying to build some momentum this season and mm -hmm. you know that sacramento game looked like one to like really build off of and mm -hmm. so to go into that warriors game and have the defense be as um you know almost apathetic mm -hmm. <laughs> to you know uh, opponent scoring uh, was frustrating and so that's continues to be the bad just the lack of consistency and you know you it's nice that the highs are what they are right now within those individual games where you're getting these performances against the Blazers and the Kings, but mm -hmm. it'd be just nice to see, you know, uh, four or five games in a row. It's like, mm -hmm. whoa, yeah, this is turning around. <laughs> and look, the Raptors aren't the first team to get back cut to death by the Warriors, right? Like they've made a living on this, but I, yeah. I do think the sort of the lack of any sort of rim protection was apparently clear against the Warriors. And, and they did a really good five, job of yeah. like dragging Precious out a lot as well. They did, yeah. And even before OG went out, like the starting five, the small group, just looked completely lost for ideas on how to contend with anything at the rim. And it was just like, all right, Kevon Looney, I guess you just get all of the dunks tonight. Good for you. Have yourself a night, dude. Um, let's get to the hmm, shall we? I, I think we're going to talk about the Shams Terrania report from this morning. Uh, you know, a whole lot of insideries without really saying a whole lot necessarily. A couple of things of note, however. Uh, reporting on Nick Nurse, his contract apparently is going into the final year of his deal next year, which I guess was not com com common knowledge before that report dropped. Um, you know, some suggestions that maybe some frustrated frustrations been 
directed towards Nurse for some of the stuff that's gone on this year, the disappointments. Obviously, we've had our Nurse misgivings as far as the stubbornness with the scheme and not changing things up. However, it should be said, they have changed things up pretty substantially, at least on offense over the last month, and I think he deserves some credit for that and sort of finding a mix that works here. Um, thoughts on the Nurse report before we get to the quick OG stuff um, and sort of the, the, the determination of his future that might go down this offseason? Yeah, I, I do think it's interesting uh, that it lines up as well with, um, you know, going into Paris with the national team. Mm. And so, mm. uh, you know, maybe he's like getting his ducks in a row to evaluate what comes after that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think the Raptors absolutely should look to keep him. I think mm -hmm. he's a very good coach. Uh, I think very good coaches are allowed to have bad stretches. And, you know, this is something sure. that I've always looked at and found weird when, you know, we always seem to associate, and I mean the collective, we uh, associate development with players, mm -hmm. right? And we, we never look at a coach and be like, oh, this was a bad thing that happened um, and they need to learn from and just get better. It's mm -hmm. like, we just make the assumption that, oh, this is a bad thing that he does and it's just absolute, like they can't improve from this. Right. Mm -hmm. This is just who they are. Um, and obviously, uh, Nick Nurse, you know, if people want to criticize the the starter minutes uh, over the course of his Raptors tenure and all that kind of stuff um, is fair. But I also think he can improve um, and get better with it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think he's a very good coach. I think that uh, he needs to get better in certain areas mm -hmm. and hopefully he gets an extension and uh, continues with this team. Yeah, I've maintained with Nurse, like, you fire him, and you might get a better coach at sort of managing the grind of an 82-game season, but you find yourself in a playoff series, you're going to be like, damn, I wish we had Nick Nurse pulling the levers here, because he's very good at that part, and that's been proven, I think, over multiple playoff series. Um, you know, they almost beat the Celtics in 2020 with their best player having an absolute pumpkin of a series, and I think, yeah. obviously, Kyle Lowry was a big part of that, but, you know, Nick Nurse pulled the right levers in that series as well, too. Um, just, just quickly. He does. Yeah, what you got? We all forget this now, mm -hmm. but if you remember Nick Nurse's first playoff game, yeah, we criticized him for not playing Kawhi enough. Yeah, <laughs> my how things change. Uh, <laughs> and also, I mean, if you're looking at Nick Nurse, I mean, a big part of it is as we've talked about. There's just not a lot of talent at the back end of this roster, and it's for reasons we all are okay with they won a title they there was a lot of talent drain after the title a lot of talent drain in terms of p picks and future assets to attain the team worthy of winning a title that's all stuff you do a thousand times out of a thousand but they're in that sort of bill coming due period now and there's not a whole lot in terms of options for nick nurse at the moment and so while I think you can criticize him for the defense being a little too staunch in its principles and not being adaptable enough, he does very clearly uh, maximize what he's got most of the time. And the offense, I mean, in December, they were playing this like nasty mismatch hunting ISO every single time down the floor garbage ball. They've actually played beautiful, crisp half-court offense for the better part of a month now by changing the way they use Scotty Barnes, by um, just sort of implementing more pick and roll and split actions at the elbows and stuff. Like, that's been tangible, like, change that's happened. He's an adaptable guy. He's always been. I, I think it would be premature to say, all right, well, get rid of him now because of one bad season. Um, let's go to quickly to the OG thing before we round out here. 
Uh, the latest report there from Shams on OG, uh, that the Knicks apparently, we've heard this, you know, maybe they've offered a bunch of picks. All the Knicks first round picks are not made equal. Some of them are heavily protected and fake first round picks that turn into seconds and all this. Um, where are you at with the OG stuff? I know, um, you know, there's, I think, uh, maybe a, a growing faction of Raptors fans who are thinking maybe this is the move. I might be included in that, honestly, um, to maybe see if you can get a contender bidding war going before next week. Where are you at with the OG thing? And what does the idea of just a few picks from the Knicks do for you? I think you've hit the nail on the head with what the protections look like, mm-hmm. right? If they're, uh, if you're getting three first round picks and they're all protected and they all mm-hmm. end up converting to like second rounders, then mm-hmm. that's a terrible deal, right? Not a deal Masai is <laughs> making, I, I might yeah. add. <laughs> so uh, I think more information is needed on that to properly evaluate if like, say two of the three are unprotected then you know mm-hmm. uh that's that's something that's really worth evaluating uh especially when you consider there'd have to be some type of player involved in like matching the salaries mm-hmm. uh so uh i think that is something you absolutely have to consider in building this roster out uh, ideally for me there is a ready-made player coming back that sure. to go into the rotation um and if you are considering an OG trade uh, in terms of trade type, you Mm -hmm. are probably leading to either that multiple first round picks or Mm -hmm. the Rudy Gate type deal where you get uh, your 22-23 version of uh, Grievous Vasquez and Patrick Patterson (laughs) and John Salmons and Chuck Hayes where you you know if there's a Chuck Hayes out there, bring him to me, please. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, um, I, I'm with you. I, I think it's got to be a deal where you are balancing the roster. I'm honestly not all that enthused by just picks. And I know I'm, I generally skew sort of pick skeptic on this podcast because a lot of it feels like uh, voodoo that I don't understand, frankly. Uh, but the idea of like bringing guys in who can kind of be your shadow core going forward. Young guys who can kind of plug into that DeLon Wright, Jakob Pertl, Pascal Siakam circa 2017 role would be pretty nice. Um, you know, guys on cheaper contracts, you're going to have to pay Precious and Pascal and eventually Scotty and obviously Fred and Gary potentially this summer if you don't move them. Um, so cost control, all that would be nice as well. Um, you know, it's it's a really, we're going to keep on talking about the OG trade thing because it's endlessly fascinating. I don't think there's a wrong answer whether you keep him or move him, but I do think this might be the time to strike while the iron's hot and sort of set yourself up and make a proactive move um, before you got to pay him 35 mil a year in 18 months time maybe this is the time to sort of get out of the og business not in any sort of way that is because he's bad he's really good but again basketball teams need more than just talent they need fit they need skills to complement one another and sometimes it just kind of feels like ogs stick out a little in an uncomfortable way and i hate it because i love og i want him around forever but man I'm thinking long and hard about what might happen between now and February 9th with him. All right, we're going to wrap it there. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Big V, anything you want to promote for the good people out there? Usual stuff. Head to Raptors.com. You can find all my work there. Uh, My latest is on Precious Achua, who has been Mm. a lot of fun to watch. So you can go check that out. And besides that, you can follow all my work on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. Uh, excellent. Also, just a reminder, next Tuesday, February the 7th at the Rivoli in Toronto, Queen Street West, I will be there. Katie Hinda will be there. It's going to be a big, fun Raptors Republic podcast extravaganda before the deadline on Thursday. It's going to be 
extremely fun. Uh, so get your tickets, raptorsrepublic.com, all that good stuff. Um, in the meantime, go f- support the show, follow, subscribe to, rate, review, all that uh, stuff we ask you to do to support the show, both on the audio apps and on YouTube. And go make your second listen of the day, Locked on Leafs, as the buds are without Austin Matthews for a little while here, yet still are very good. And uh, keep on doing the thing. So go listen to Mike and Dave over on Locked on Leafs as they break it down as the deadline draws near in the NHL as well. With that, we'll round it there. We'll talk to you tomorrow to break down Raptors Suns. Bye-bye. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Thank you.